Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Is the water safe to drink? Yes, it is. It is filtered and it's clean. Why do window shades need to be up for takeoff and landing? Because you can see the engines and we can't, so you've got to let us know if something happens. Can the doors be open mid-flight? Look, unless you have superhuman strength, no. How come your carry-on bags can only weigh so much? That's because the overhead lockers can only hold so much weight. Finally, do you get more drunk in an aircraft? Yes, because of the lower oxygen percentage in the air, the effects of alcohol are greater. I didn't know this till recently, so that's a flight attendant telling us things we may not have known about flying. Uh, that is kind of interesting that the, the weight limit is not because of the plane getting too heavy. It's that the overhead compartments can only handle so much weight. So if you, if we all like push the limit on that, the things might crash down on our heads. Exactly. Nobody wants that. No, they don't. But um, I didn't know this till recently. Somebody who's got uh, breathing problems has to, has to be careful about altitude and stuff like that. Flying on a plane at thirty thousand feet has the you have the same. Um, oxygen situation is if you were at roughly a 7,000 foot elevation. My parents. Is that right? Yeah, I didn't know this at all. My parents who live at 7,000 feet in Arizona when they're in the mountains and I live at sea level, noticeably different. I would go visit them and I would get up there and be like, just unloading the car. I'm like, oh my God. Um, So if you ever find that that yourself breathing like that on a plane, walking down the aisle to the bathroom and back or whatever, carrying a kid or something, it's because yeah, you're at like 7,000 feet equivalent. How interesting. I had no idea. So they give us just enough oxygen to keep us from passing out. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Stitch you with the oxygen. Yeah, that's how they get you. That's how they maximize. Tiny seats, nobody can fit in, and not enough oxygen to breathe. That's how they maximize profits. Boy, if there was an airline that said, we have roomy bathrooms. 
stretch out, relax, stand up straight. I would fly that airline every time. <laughs> stand up straight. Well, well hell, uh, I'm 5'10", and I kind of have to, you know, bend a little and crouch a little. You guys are, you know, six two, three, four, whatever. Oh, man. well, just, you know, wear an adult diaper. I guess uh, that's your only uh, option, or go in the sink. Our old boss, Dave, who was here yesterday, is 6'8". How does he use the bathroom on an airplane? I barely can at 6'1". Yeah, God, it's got to be miserable. Imagine he, he manages his fluids. That's the key. <laughs> Fluid management. Well, uh, so uh, how elastic are, are plane tickets? Um, how much would you pay extra for uh, a, a, like a full-size bathroom per flight? Hmm. Does everybody get to use it or just, you know, the special people? Well, that would be a really expensive ticket. Yeah, it would. Um, I would pay, uh, well, it depends on the length of the flight, I guess. Boy, if you don't need to go to the bathroom, obviously you wouldn't spend a dime. But if you get the urge, it's a coast-to-coast flight or something like that, yeah, I'd pay an extra, I don't know, 50 bucks. That they have, They've eliminated two rows of seats, and they have big, roomy bathrooms. I think the airlines have figured this out mostly correctly. That, Well, at least for me, I only know my own experience. I book whichever flight is going to get me to the place I need to go at the right time. Pretty mm-hmm. much. That's it. <laughs> I mean, that's almost the entire equation. Yeah, unless the difference is just exorbitant. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Maybe business travelers do. And I, I realize business traveling is what runs the airlines. They make all their decisions based on business travelers, not people like me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I rarely end up in a situation where I have options. Just I need to go to this place on that day in the morning. Here's one yeah. option, so I yeah. book it. Hmm. So I you did the opportunity to choose an airline that has bigger seats uh, doesn't really exist most of the time. So I don't know how it is for most people. I need to uh, do the American thing and start it myself. Call it uh, hmm hmm. Hmm. There are no good names for my proposed airline. They've got to be at the limit, though, for squeezing us in there. There can't be another inch they can take from us, can they? I mean, as America gets fatter and fatter. Yeah, you you get you you're in that middle seat on a Southwest flight, man. You are crunched in there. California chickens have it better with the new laws. <laughs> right. Laying right. hands are treated better than a middle passenger on a Southwest flight that's going to get you there an hour later than you were supposed to anyway. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So uh, uh, one thing I left off of the last story of last hour about the various polls uh, on Americans' views of the media was this one from the Gallup Night Poll. Uh, they asked... Do national news organizations intend to mislead the public? And 52% of Americans said, um, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Actually, they, that's weird. They asked it the opposite. Uh, the statement is, national news organizations do not intend to mislead the public. Only 25% of Americans agreed with that. 52% said, I disagree with that. Wow. So half of people watch the news and think, well, they're trying to mislead me. National news organizations. That's right. Wow. Well, yes. Said the consultant for Gallup. uh, That was pretty striking for us. Speaking of misleading the public, the New York Times. Wait, what? New York Times has some uh, coverage of the bank collapse of the First Republic Bank. 
which has croaked it and has now been uh, sucked up by the behemoth J.P. Morgan Chase, which is clearly too big to fail. I mean, like globally too big to fail. I thought we were going to steer away from that. How'd that go? Anyway, um, the combined value of the three banks that have failed uh, recently, including Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, exceeds those adjusted for inflation of all of the banks that collapsed during the 08 financial crisis. Now, we're being told by those who know better than us, oh, it's fine. It's fine. This one was a delayed reaction to that turmoil in March. You remember that? Uh, it's not a new phase in the crisis. Everything's going to be great. Well, well okay. Yeah, they're probably right. A delayed reaction to the turmoil in March. And if I remember correctly, you're telling me in March that there wasn't going to be fallout from that. Not much, just one giant bank. So the second biggest bank failure in U.S. history happens over the weekend. Why would I, as I mean, I'm less than a layman. What's what's below a layman on this topic? But why would I think that we're not going to have another giant bank failure here in a couple months? What would lead me to believe that? Well, I certainly feel like I've felt after every earthquake I've experienced that I'm waiting for the next aftershock. Uh, I, I'm not. Things have not clearly settled down. When you, well, you know the turmoil in March. Well, there was a bit of a delayed reaction in April, but now it's over. Yeah, I don't know. Why don't we let a little of May go by before we decide that's the case? But what happened is, and and again, I don't even know enough to be dangerous about this stuff. But there were some banks that grew like crazy when interest rates were new, near zero percent. And now those, all of those commitments are, are big liabilities. And now that interest rates, thanks to the Fed, well, and it's probably worth mentioning, those rates were near zero thanks to the Fed. And now they're much, much higher thanks to the Fed. And banks that grew too fast and took on too much risk at that time are now getting screwed by the higher interest rate environment. Said Tim Timothy Coffey, bank analyst at some company you've never heard of, um, there was a very limited set of institutions as the vast majority of banks passed on picking up pennies in front of a steamroller. So I guess in the banking industry, everybody knew the rates had to go up significantly, and most banks became very cautious, Okay, but not this handful of banks. That's what I'm told. Is this 50% true, 100% true? I have no idea. So I... Came in on a conversation yesterday among uh, people that seem to be smart about this sort of stuff, and somebody was claiming, I don't have any idea how this factors in at all, but they're bringing up the idea of banks treating the super wealthy differently, leading to collapse and stuff like that. But anyway, the example they threw out, and I hadn't heard this story, this happened a while back, Mark Zuckerberg took out a home loan on his $30 million home or whatever it was. Did you remember this story? Like a home equity loan or something like that? No, a loan on or his he mortgage. Bought the place. He, a okay. mortgage. He got a mortgage on his home as as, as you know one of the richest people on the planet because he got a one percent loan. Which you you know if you if you could get a one percent loan, it would be smart to get a one percent loan. I suppose even if you could pay cash. How do you um, get a one percent loan? Well, that was that, that was part of the question. And again, I came in on this conversation late, so I didn't quite grasp how they were tying this into the bank failure, but it was in the Bay Area uh, where this bank is based, and, and and they were talking about super wealthy getting various gifts and stuff. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Again, I came in on the conversation late and wasn't able to figure it out. But I was intrigued, so I did a little Googling on the fact that Zuckerberg did get to take out a giant mortgage at 1% of all people. 
maybe they're just hoping, hey, hoping he, maybe he opens a savings account and puts $40 billion in. Ah, that could be. Yeah, maybe that's just, it. It's PR. Just trying to attract a customer. So uh, just a little more on this bank collapse and what happened story. And if you find it somewhat befuddling and you think, good Lord, that's an enormous amount of money they're talking about. That's that's kind of my point. I came away from it thinking these people, they're the people who really run the world. Uh, so the FDIC estimated that its insurance loss on this latest failure, which is made up of the fees banks pay the agency for insuring deposits, would have to pay out about $13 billion to cover First Republic's losses. J.P. Morgan also said that the FDIC would provide it with $50 billion in financing, and J.P. Morgan would pay $10.6 billion to the FDIC. Uh, the acquisition makes J.P. Morgan already the nation's largest bank, even bigger, and was already being criticized by some lawmakers, the whole too-big-to-fail idea. First Republic failed despite having received a $30 billion lifeline from 11 of the country's largest banks in March. Uh, J.P. Morgan said the $30 billion would be repaid after the deal closes. Um, then they get into... The fact that J.P. Morgan paid something like $10.3 billion, but was expected to raise its profits by $10.8 billion and uh, blah, blah, blah. All of the shareholders of this bank are, are wiped out. All of the debt holders of the bank are wiped out. They will get nothing back. The bank has nothing. failed. Yeah. Wow. But in order mostly to prevent a gigantic catastrophic run on banks, J.P. Morgan, with the help of taxpayers, at least to some extent, and all of this is confusing. And I don't think that's an accident. No, um, absolutely not an accident. But to prevent that sort of catastrophic bank failure, uh, Uncle Sam is uh, ridden in on his white stallion, and, and with the help of J.P. Morgan and their limitless power, uh, save the day, quote-unquote. I think the only arena of life where I am susceptible to lots of conspiracy theories is stuff like this. <laughs> I believe all kinds of things could be going on uh, run by just a handful of people that aren't good, but nobody understands yeah. them or has the power to stop them. I read a fair amount about the negotiations uh, for this, and I thought I had it handy, but I can't find it. Um, And how they went on through the days and nights and, and government officials were huddling with J.P. Morgan Chase and the other bidders and hashing out terms and the rest of it. And I was thinking, yeah, okay, all right, I'm an ant, you're elephants, I admit it, you're going to do what you want, you're going to spend what you want, you're going to take whatever tax dollars you want. Uh, oh, hey, a request to the good folks. If you come across a, a journalist or somebody who can explain all of this in in good, understandable layman's terms, we're looking for that. Because um, a lot of it, I don't know, I guess a lot of articles in the Wall Street Journal and New York Times, et cetera, are, are written for the very robber barons we're discussing, I guess. Uh, quote, unquote, robber barons. Please don't, like, remove all the money from my, my savings accounts. I'm sure you can. Um and I'd like to understand what the hell's actually happening. So if you come across that, to send us link, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. The Ed Sheeran trial is going on. We've talked about that. We have three music stories for you that are pretty interesting. Also, when are we going to have our debt limit hit is in the news again. Bunch of stuff on the way. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. With everything you have on your plate, 
earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Gordon Lightfoot who shuffled off this mortal, mortal coil yesterday thanks to the texter who reminded, reminded me of that Shakespearean phrase. Uh, that means he died. Gordon Lightfoot died. He was a singer-songwriter from the 70s. This is an awesome tune. Full of hints of darkness and grief. And lust. And lust. Lusty lust. And acoustic guitars. Yes, a lot of that. <laughs> Um, so you I, know, I said I the had, wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald is uh, often mocked as something or other, but it's a powerful tune. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, two other uh, music You know stories. what my favorite uh, Gordon Lightfoot? Uh, I'm sorry, we have very little time. The uh, What's the one? If if, if uh, you could read I my could, mind, love. Yeah, yeah, that's oh. a great song. Heartbreaking. Oh, Boy. absolutely. Never seems to be enough time to do the things you want to do once you find them. Hmm. Uh... Other uh, music stories for you. The band Fallout Boy, whom my kids uh, like some of their tunes, has put out a new album. You can buy a vinyl copy, limited additional vinyl copy, made with actual human tears. The Hmm. lead singer had his tears. (laughs) He sent them off to some corporation, and they somehow made the vinyl with his human tears. So there's that. That is both the unlikeliest and stupidest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) And then we've talked some about the Ed Sheeran trial that's going on right now. He's being sued by some Marvin Gaye people uh, claiming where there's a hit. There's a writ uh, saying that one of uh, Ed Sheeran's biggest hits ripped off one of Marvin Gaye's biggest hits. And uh, yesterday in the courtroom, Ed Sheeran actually showed up with his acoustic guitar and and played the song and described how he wrote it and everything. And I'm sure that had to be quite the fun little uh, impromptu free concert for the people, the jury and everything like that. A couple of the jurors threw their panties at him, and the judge had to bring the gavel down on that. Um, which is kind of interesting, but he said that if Ed Sheeran, who's one of the biggest musical stars on the planet, said, if, if I lose, I'm done. I'm stopping. He's 32 years old. I find it really insulting to work my whole life as a singer-songwriter and diminish it. So he claims he'll quit forever if he ends up losing. Uh, he's not in a good well, state of mind. His wife just got diagnosed with cancer recently, and oh. he's had... 
His best friend dies. He's had a rough month. Yeah, yeah. I, we won't hold you to it, Ed. Right. Take care of business. That's fine. Right, 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 right. Oddly enough, speaking of taking care of business, one of the guys from Bachman Turner Overdrive just passed, too. Uh, it's odd the way stars of the early 70s are, are dying so often. No, it's not. Not in the least. It's math. It's actuary tables, really, if you... Yeah. Really, yeah. If you're in the life insurance business, it seems perfectly predictable. Um, debt ceiling. We're going to hit it earlier than thought. What is going on with that? It's actually pretty interesting and not dull. Uh, so stay tuned for that coming up. If you miss an hour, get the podcast. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, just to get out of the way, my quick review of the new McDonald's hamburgers. So they changed the buns. I'm not sure I would have noticed a difference if somebody hadn't told me ahead of time, but uh, some people I were eating with, they thought they were markedly better. All right. Hmm. So that's their opinion. I thought the cheese was the same. The cheese is supposed to be more evenly melted. The burger part does taste different. I would say huh. it took a step toward what a normal hamburger tastes like. It took a half a step toward what a normal hamburger tastes like. In terms is that of way, a good move for the, uh, I don't the, know. the clown? Yeah, I don't know. In terms of the searing the meat. The fourth change they made was more of the secret sauce on the Big Mac. I did not have a Big Mac. I don't feel like it needs more Thousand Island dressing on it. So I'm not sure I like that change, but I haven't tried it yet. It was uh, the Big Mac that let me know I'd become a man. I remember I was a little kid, and my parents said, that's too big a, a burger for you. And then one day they said... Go ahead. That's funny. I, I think maybe I have that feeling also that at some point, well, I'm kind of kind of a grown-up now, having a Big Mac. And if I was still eating them like you, I'd be a man with a heart attack. So, <laughs> anyway. So, uh, 
my nemesis, Kevin McCarthy, is kind of having a moment. He was my nemesis for a while. I hated the gentleman for quite some time. I had a run-in with him many, many years ago. and Hated? That's strong. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. And I have since let it go and decided that uh, perhaps I wasn't wronged in the way I thought I was. And Well, and like they say, holding a grudge is like drinking poison, waiting for the other person to die. Yeah, I guarantee you, he doesn't give a crap. Oh, no, less than a crap. <laughs> <laughs> Half a crap at most. Although he actually does remember us from the last time we talked to him, because uh, we, uh, you know, we were all young and up and coming back when we were hanging out. Anyway, Kevin McCarthy is the current Speaker of the House of Representatives, and he's having a bit of a moment where people are reevaluating his talents over a couple of different things. Um, one of them being this answer that he gave yesterday in a press conference. He's in Israel, and a Russian reporter. Uh, ask him a question, and this is the way Kevin McCarthy answered it to a pause. Vyacheslav Tartakovsky, Ria Novosti, Russia. Uh, we know that uh, you don't support uh, the current unlimited and uh, uncontrolled uh, supplies of weaponry and aid to Ukraine. So can you comment, is it possible if in the near future uh, the U.S. policy regarding sending weaponry to Ukraine will change? Yeah, I'm not sure. The, the, the sound here is not good. Did he say, I don't support aid to Ukraine? No, I vote for aid for Ukraine. I support aid for Ukraine. I do not support what your country has done you to, to Ukraine. I do not support your killing of the children either. And I think for one standpoint, you should pull out. And I don't think it's right. And we will continue to support because the rest of the world sees it just as it is. I thought that was well handled. I think the Russian reporter thought, based on some things Kevin McCarthy had said in the past, he could really, like, you know, get a wedge going here. Get himself a headline. Yeah, yeah. And it did not work out that way. You know, Kevin McCarthy's interesting in a lot of ways. He is not a terribly articulate guy. He is not a gifted speaker. And there's a tendency, I think, and I'm guilty of it, uh, to then assume that, okay, he's not that bright or whatever. Um but there are many different kinds of intelligence, and he clearly is gifted in coalition building, dealing with humans, you know, forming relationships and that sort of thing. I mean, he's one of the best people in the country yeah. at it. He's the Speaker of the House of Representatives. Yeah. I think I would let him negotiate my home loan or something like that. <laughs> I think he's yeah. doing stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but so he has held firm on the idea that, Republicans will not, you know, he, oh, he that, that's the other thing that he had a week ago. He was able to wrangle all the Republicans together because he needed every single vote he got to get a piece of legislation through to raise the debt limit with some spending cuts. And uh, he was able to pull that off and nobody thought he could, um, which some people believe is what led to Joe Biden to announce yesterday that he is willing to talk to. Kevin McCarthy had previously said he would not talk to Kevin McCarthy about raising the debt limit. He said he will now. Well, there's more to this story than that. And this is from the wide world of news. This is a funny headline. Um, Only in Washington does an urgent crisis threatening the world economy lead to an inconclusive meeting scheduled for, wait for it, next week. (laughs) (laughs) Next week, Joe Biden and Kevin McCarthy are going to get together to discuss this because we were told by the Treasury Secretary yesterday in what was the lead story on all the newscasts I watched that we're going to run out of money because lower than expected tax revenue coming in. I'll bet partially because of California. Biggest state in the country. 
put off its taxes till uh, you know much later. So that revenue's not coming in yet. But anyway, uh, we're going to run out of money June first. That's what three and a half weeks from now. And uh, so they got to get to it. And as this headline said, so it's important that we do not bring worldwide depression. Let's get together sometime next week. Um, Politico reporting on this, on what the president plans to say to Kevin McCarthy and other people that he's invited to the White House. If you needed to hear again that it's your responsibility to address the debt ceiling without conditions and a ransom, then uh, I will say it again. So the political reporting is that Biden's just inviting him to the White House to reiterate, I'm not dealing on this. I'm not I'm not negotiating. It's all on you. According to the Washington Post, the reason Team Biden is holding firm is that the White House has leaned on polling, suggesting Republicans will take the lion's share of the blame if the worst should happen, according to senior aides. Aides are confident that their messaging about important programs that the Republicans want to cut will resonate with voters and that they will be able to link the collapse to Republican extremism on the economy and their out-of-step stances on other issues like abortion and guns. Now, Jack, I've got a quibble with you. You skipped the part in the article where Politico talks about what would be good policy and what would be best for the country and, and its citizens, and you skipped right to the naked, phony, PR, spin politics part of it. Or is that what it all is? That's what it all is, yeah. Uh, The Post goes on to say, but on Capitol Hill and in the White House, there's been no consensus on what exactly the compromise would look like or even how to thaw the bitter standoff to the degree that it's possible to reach a deal, much less in the four weeks that they have. And by the time they meet, it will be, you know, three weeks. Uh, The only reason to think this will work out, and because it has to all work out, says the worldwide news, um, which, you know, is is not nothing. It has to work out. It's not an option mm-hmm. to not work it out. Uh, so we'll see. Um, Feels a little like playing chicken, which is what they always do with this stuff. They always do, and every other time uh, that this has come up, we have mocked it. I've certainly mocked it as they'll work it out and whatever, big deal. Uh, but I'm, I'm not as sure. I'm not as sure this time around. I don't think the Senate is going to take up that House bill, so it'll have to be a new bill, and all you need is one Matt Gates or Marjorie Taylor Greene or whoever. You know, you only need a couple of those people to hold out, and it just doesn't happen. And we crash. Yeah, yeah boy, that... Uh... And I don't want to put it all on the Republicans, because that's not fair. No, no, indeed. At all. At all. Well, uh, we could get to some of the jawing back and forth and the PR, which you uh, made reference to. When you get into the specifics, it is, I mean, it's its worth vomiting over it. If you can vomit it, Will, I would suggest you do just as a symbolic gesture. But uh, the idea that the Republicans want to return to, they want to dial back the clock spending-wise. If you can picture this, if you can fathom this. They want to dial back spending to 2022 levels. Yeah, last year. And that is being portrayed as horrific. It's like Genghis Khan riding across the landscape, raping and pillaging as he goes to return to last year's spending. And one of the uh, main spin uh, items is that, uh, oh, my God, this is going to cut deeply into the VA and veterans won't be able to get health care. Tens of millions of veterans' medical appointments will be canceled. 
if we dare dial back spending to last year when, as I recall, there were not veterans lining up by the tens of thousands crying out that they couldn't get an appointment. It's just, ugh. It's out of control. It's an out-of-control colossus. Uh, Buy gold, bury it in your backyard, purchase freeze-dried goods, prepare for the coming cannibalism. I just, I don't think there's any dealing with it anymore. I want to play this clip just because I think it has my my favorite line that Biden uh, uttered yesterday on this topic. We pay our bills, and we should do so without reckless hostage-taking from some of the mega-Republicans in Congress. Senate Democrats want to raise... He he says mega-Republicans all the time. It drives me nuts. (laughs) He says my bus been wet. (laughs) (laughs) My bus been wet. And the mega-Republicans and their extreme ideology... And you know, sir, sir, it's it's actually MAGA. John Donald Trump. Do you remember Donald Trump? Donald Trump, the the New York hotel builder. Make America great. It's not make exit great again. It's make America great again. MAGA. MAGA. And these mega Republicans. How come no reporter? Well, first of all, he never takes any questions. But if he did, how come no reporter ever says, you know, Barack Obama voted against raising the debt ceiling because he, as when he was a senator for a cup of coffee, because he thought it was unconscionable to just continue to raise the debt ceiling and take on debt because it is. He was right back then on that so do you figure they the republicans and the democrats they meet at midnight at the washington monument and exchange the scripts where the republicans <laughs> hand over the it would be irresponsible to extend the debt and the democrats to hand over the yeah exactly we cannot default on america's well this is money we've already spent we need to honor our de- oh, well, all right yeah. right well you know what we need jack in this the mega great- republicans <laughs> what we need is great leadership. Michael, uh, the president of the United States, clip 20, please. And to cheer for Muslim, for, we cheer for Muslim athletes like Kareem Abdul Jabbar. I know him, and I did mispronounce his name. What did the all crowd right. say there? Abdul Jabbar. Is that what they said? <laughs> yes. I thought yes. they were all yelling, he's dying. <laughs> Well, clearly, clearly, Joseph R. Biden, Democrat, Delaware, is through. He is uh, old. He's addled. Uh, Please, Michael, the new leadership, clip 23. Today is today. And yesterday was today, yesterday. (laughs) Tomorrow will be today, tomorrow. So live today. So the future today will be as the past today as it is tomorrow so is that an impersonation or ai (laughs) that is an impersonation it's got to be i didn't know you 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 dirty dogs pass that off as legit behind the scenes that's that comedian who does that fabulous Uh, kamala imitation pretty funny though (laughs) that was funny (laughs) today Today is today today. (laughs) (laughs) mega republicans they're giant mega Stand 40 feet tall, Jack. It's no joke. <laughs> My word is a Biden. They're enormous. So uh, should we care about the writer's strike that's uh, going on in Hollywood now? We'll explain what that means and uh, I whether feel a little it means ba- anything. I feel, yeah, I feel a little bad for the writers. I don't think they have the leverage they used to have in the past. Back in the day... When all the late night shows and, you know, your your evening sitcoms and stuff halted, you noticed. I'm not sure people notice anymore. 
And just go binge something on Netflix, right? Right. Um, you know, people under, geez, under 40? I don't know how high number you'd have to go. I don't. I, I can't remember the last time. It's been many, many years since I've thought of it's Tuesday night. What's on at 8 o'clock on CBS? You know, that sure. I, I heard somebody yeah. reference the other day flipping through the channels. I haven't flipped through channels in a decade. Maybe not that long, but close that I've sat down and flipped through channels to see what's on. Mm, yeah. I don't yeah. think, I don't know that people do that anymore. So the, poor, different world. the poor writers might not uh, be in the position they thought they once were. Anyway, much more on the way. Stay here with Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Spirit Airlines had to explain themselves after a viral video showed a maintenance worker making a quick repair before takeoff. This is real. Look at this. Some Spirit Airlines passengers were pretty shaken up when they saw a mechanic taping a portion of their wing together on their plane. One passenger posted this video. You can see him sticking the tape there. This tape is called Speed Tape. It's an aluminum-based pressure-sensitive tape that can withstand high winds and temperatures. If you're wondering what the difference between speed tape and duct tape is, speed tape is made up. <laughs> That's duct tape. Airplanes do use tape. For instance, today Southwest taped one of its planes to Delta flights so it could actually take off. Wow. Duct tape the wing? No! Last time we talked about this, we got a couple of notes from pilots saying, oh yeah, that's the thing, it's fine. No, it might be, yeah. 
doesn't look fine. <laughs> no, it would not make me feel comfortable looking out the it window. It looks like Joe, when he doesn't know how to fix something, quote-unquote fixing it. <laughs> so that was Jimmy Fallon, host of The Tonight Show, which will not be on starting, what, tonight? And neither will any of the other talk shows because the writers are on strike. Folks, we're going to have to be delayed a little bit. The landing gear is uh, broken. Uh, we got to wait for a bottle of Gorilla Glue to get here, and then we'll be taking hey, off If anybody Dallas. has a coat hanger, we could bend into a position to uh, <laughs> try to get it through the hole and hold things together. That'd be... Has anybody got a stick about a foot long? Uh, say you're big around as your thumb, uh, send it up uh, to the front of the plane. You're looking, uh, the for aircraft. A, you're looking for a zip tie, not the thin, flimsy one, the thicker, heavy-duty one to hold the wing on. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, so, yes, that was a beautiful transition you uh, handed me, Jack, and then I abused it. Uh, but, indeed, the uh, the uh, writer's union is going on strike in, quote-unquote, Hollywood, whatever that means at this point. Um, every three years, the East and West branches of the Writers Guild of America, which represents about 11,500 writers of TV and movies, negotiate a new contract. Everybody knew this was going to be a rough one, and sure enough, it is. I was surprised, actually, to hear this, because, as everybody knows, uh, Television production has grown rapidly over the past decade from a handful of networks to quite a few networks to innumerable streaming services with apparently unlimited budgets. Yeah. Right. But the writers are saying, yeah, our compensation is stagnated. We're not we're not making any more money and we we want our fair share of the pie. Uh, The Writers Guild leaders have said the current system is broken, arguing that the survival of writing as a profession is at stake in this negotiation. Hmm. It's one of the more ridiculous things I've ever heard said. uh, They are writers. They're creative writers. (laughs) It's hard to believe writing would disappear all of a sudden. But uh, the very fate of the earth hangs in the balance. I see you working. You're a writer. How apart are the two sides? Well, how far apart? Uh, Based on what both sides had to say uh, late yesterday, there's still a wide gap. Hollywood companies saying, now you can guess what they said. So how will this affect you, the humble viewer? Well, your late night shows from, you know, Tonight Show and and Cole Burton, Jimmy Kimmel and Saturday Night Live will probably go dark immediately. Oh, SNL off. Wow. Yeah, Seth Meyers, et cetera. Uh, during the 07 strike, the late-night host stayed off for uh, two months. Really? Soap operas. I'd forgotten. Soaps, Jack. We'll run out of new episodes after a month. You going to watch your stories? Well, if the soap operas go off, we'll never know if they have the baby or get married or divorced or she finds out he killed her husband or whatever. All of the above, Yeah. Oh, da, 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 da. are those still take a, a thing? I didn't. I didn't even know that soap operas are still on. Boy, who are you watching those? Well, you're not listening to us right now. You're you're sitting there with a jar of paste between your legs. Oh, easy. A spoonful. Come on. Often it's old gals who enjoy the dramas. They're well acted, beautifully written. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're they're dramas on Netflix and, and HBO Max and other places. You don't need to watch freaking Days of Our Lives or whatever it is that's still on. Oh. Wow, I'm hearing misogyny or racism or something. But uh, uh, if the strike is prolonged, viewers will begin to notice a dip in new TV series. TV series. Uh, it will take a lengthy strike for the movie pipeline to be affected because most of the long production times in movies, blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, I, th- th- there are so many movies I want to watch. If the writers are on strike for the next 15 years, I probably wouldn't notice it. And I'm not being disdainful of them and their union and their desires and the rest of it. Go, you know, get what you can get. 
It's a negotiation, but just speaking for myself, I could hold out for a very long time without like new entertainment. Yeah, I like the jokes from the late night that we play on a regular basis, and uh, I'll miss those. I hadn't thought about um, Saturday Night Live and, and my and my stories, my soap operas. Armstrong and Getty. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.